Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion focusing on the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James, an ancient pilgrimage across Europe. The most famous of many Caminos is the Camino Francaise, which winds its way from St. jean de port on the French side of the Pyrenees via Pamplona, Burgos and Léon, to Santiago de Compostela, or St. James under a field of stars, in northwest Spain. Indeed, we're told the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred in the crypt beneath the cathedral in Santiago, and it's where most pilgrims finish their Camino, beneath the soaring spires of the cathedral. But many pilgrims choose to walk on to either Finisterre or Muxia on the north coast of Spain. You have then walked the entire width of Spain, right across the country. It's quite the achievement, and you will be moved, no matter if you walk half, a quarter or more. It will move you. You will find yourself enamoured with the culture, the spirit of the Camino, the history, the spirituality, the inspiration will lift you. It's not easy, but it's a fantastic thing to do. Believe me, I've walked two Caminos and I can't wait to get back to do more. Before I introduce my guest this week, a gentle reminder that you can sponsor me to help me continue to do the work I'm doing. Simply go to patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. I was playing a gig this week for a group of academics from the US, Harvard no less, and I sang for them the Simon and Garfunkel song, The Boxer. As I sang the opening lyric, I thought, I'm going to use that as my introduction to this week's podcast. I'm just a poor boy, though my story's seldom told. I have squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises, all lies and jest. Still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. So often we ignore what life is telling us. Perhaps we ought to listen more and disregard less. My guest this week is Sue Parsons, and Sue wrote to me from the Camino a few weeks ago. She was resting in Ponferrada, and I was so jealous because I love Ponferrada. They walked on and are on the line from home now in Kent in Great Britain. Sue, welcome. Hello, Dan. Hello. It's been lovely to um, speak to you after we listen to all your podcasts, especially on the long straight journey bits by the side of a road your podcast really kept me going oh that's terrific so you're home from the camino i'm going to ask a very simple question to start with what did you make of it um you know it was uh, overwhelmed actually even thinking about it um the fact that it's even possible and the tolerance with other people and with myself to actually walk 950 kilometers and actually have the patience of my husband as well because um as much as when you you love somebody you know spending all day all evening with them and having to you know negotiate things you know it can be a little bit difficult at times but it was fantastic um i'm still actually coming to terms with things now um yes overwhelmed is the word so where did you start and how far did you walk Right, we decided if we're, going, if we're going to do it, we're actually going to do the whole thing. So we started at St. John Pied de Port and we finished at Mushia. But um, St. John, there was three of us started that day um, with us, possibly four. And uh, it was snow. We got warned not to go in the woods. And uh, we thought, oh, it looks okay. We'll go in the woods. 
And um, it would, the snow got deeper and deeper and deeper and the elevation towards Ronson's fires got steeper and steeper. And I thought, oh no, you know, it's the first day and I'm actually going to have to end up calling out the, uh, the helicopters. But um, that's where my nerves kicked in and um, I had to have faith in the the bigger, you know, the bigger thing because that's really, really out of my comfort zone. Why did you decide to but, do um, the Camino? We managed it. If you were so far out of your comfort zone, why did you decide to do it? I become obsessed with it. I'm a little bit obsessed with things sometimes. And uh, I just read, I work in Japan sometimes, and uh, I sat every night reading Camino books. I basically read 15 different Camino books. And it was magical. And I just fell in love with the whole the whole Camino. And I thought, get over your anxiety, get over your stress. These people have far more, more risk, took more, far more risk than I did. And I thought, if they can do it, I could do it. And um, yeah, stepping out the comfort zone was um, a really big thing. But um, you just have to have faith in something bigger and you come out the other end feeling fantastic. Yeah. But um, it's magic. You just hear stories and you just want to be part of that story, part of that um, 2,000 years worth of history. I want to be part of that. You mentioned there that you, you did all this research while you were in Japan or you just were reading books about it and became enamoured with it. But do you remember how you first heard about the Camino? Yes. Um, well, I was in Portugal, actually, and just went into a coffee shop mm. and some woman started talking to me, just mentioned it. And the minute she sort of mentioned a few things, I become completely locked onto her. So obviously the Camino was calling me and um, she basically told me that... Um, she went alone. She slept in bivy bags. She didn't even do the hostel thing. And one night there was a storm. She believed she was going to die. And she just suddenly said, Lord, if you're going to take me, take me now. I'm ready to go. And of course she didn't. The storm passed and she was safe. And it completely changed her psyche overnight. Her psyche changed. And she went from being a coffee taster where she had a really good job all around the world. And she ended up um, a musician and went to sleep in a hippie bus. <laughs> so, the Camino, yeah, the, the Camino, do that to you. Captivated me. It did. It Camino just kept, that woman captivated me, and from that moment last year, I just thought, we're doing this. Well, wow, fantastic! And that was it. I become obsessed. Yeah, yeah. And and had you heard then of the mystical nature of it? Well, obviously, this when your very first introduction was people talking about the mystical nature. How did you discover it or how did you find it on the Camino yourself? Did you experience it on the Camino yourself? I felt stillness. Now, there was, now we went in January. We started on January 25th, I think, and we started in the snow. We started in minus temperatures. And um, it was literally, uh, not even a week later, we was in T-shirts. And there was one point where there was no snow the sun had come out and um, the real long so-called boring stretch, which isn't boring, um, the beginning of the Mazetta, um, I just sat down with my husband. He sat on one post and I sat on the other and we just sat and we just became part of the land. And that stillness was just magic. My whole body became still and I become um, like in an envelope surrounded by nature and that really just that 15 minutes just was magical and that stayed with me. It'll stay with me forever. There's something about the Camino where if you let yourself become part of the Camino, 
you just become part of nature, part of the universe. And, and that is just it's very difficult to achieve in life because you're never quite just part of the universe. You're always a mum, you're always an employee, you're always a wife, you know. And at that point, we were just part of the universe. T- tell us about the day-to-day of walking the Camino, Sue, the people you met, the Spanish culture, things like that. Um, well, being in winter, there's actually very, very few people on there. Um, so if people don't like people so much, winter's a really good time to go because there's still enough open for you to have everything you want almost. Um, there's, everyone's a character that you meet. I mean, um, um, Koreans actually make up over half of the nationality of in the winter Caminos. So um, I've never had experience of Koreans before. So to actually walk nearly six weeks and spend it with Koreans was a really wonderful thing because they're very chilled out. So that's really good for me because I'm a bit manic sometimes and a bit too active. So being around Koreans was absolutely just fantastic and that really, really helped. Um, my other friend from Germany, um, she she had two years, she'd been given two years to live and uh, she was there, st- her strength and her enthusiasm and her determination just put me to shame. You know, she I really, really adored the people there's one guy there who was writing his phd on the camino used to do a few days walking and write his camino um write his phd um there was an angry spanish man who um, was told by his fiance that she he had to do the camino because um she wasn't going to marry him otherwise and uh he just got out of jail so um he was trying to re- rehabilitate himself with the camino which was fantastic i mean most people were actually quite scared of him but um eventually when my friend got to understand him he was just trying to do his best you know so um tolerance tolerance is something that i'm I'm not great on tolerance sometimes and the camino really helps you to become tolerant because first of all like the the angry spanish man i was scared of him and eventually you get to hear his story and then you actually realize that it's just fear. That's what people's um, beliefs are actually based on, fear, a lot of the time. So um, I kind of learned to get to know people's stories before making judgments. And that's really important on the Camino, especially when there's only half a dozen people walking with you or walking on that day. I mean, the, the people just, oh, gosh, it just makes the Camino just because everyone's there for a purpose. And it just puts your life to shame sometimes because you think you've got it hard and then you hear someone else's story and you think, why do I even complain? So it's very humbling as well. I mean, I I really shouldn't complain about anything after meeting some people on the Camino. It's got far more strength than I think I'll ever have. So, yeah, it's it's very humbling. Did you do a lot of planning? Were you spreadsheet pilgrims? Oh, I'm actually an obsessive when it comes to planning. I mean, I must have read, I was on the forums every single day. And as soon as someone's, somebody said about something new, something's coming to, uh, oh, that this is new, that's new, you've got to try it, and this is good, this is bad. I was there making notes. Um, spreadsheet pilgrim. Now, and in the wintertime, actually, you don't need to be a spreadsheet pilgrim because, A, there's you just know you're going to get a space, really. And, B, there's not many places to choose from. So, I think if when I go in May to the Portuguese Camino, um, I might be a. I've got actually try and be more have faith in the system, and um, I think deep down I'm a bit of a spreadsheet pilgrim, but I don't want to be. So that's one of my other um, 
targets for the Portuguese Camino is that try and, as people say, wing it, try and actually just have faith and see where it takes you. And so um, deep down I'm a pilgrim, I'm a spreadsheet pilgrim, but I'm not going to be for May, I've decided. Yeah, we're going to get to that because you're heading back in just a few days to go back to do the Portuguese Camino. But how do you how do you describe the Camino to friends and family now that you're back? Well, everyone's asking me how my walk was, and, I, and uh, of course, it's not just a walk. And I've been talking, talking about this this magical energy. A lot of my friends, as well as I, I do energy healing, so a lot of my friends understand energy and uh, you know the special energy and. Um, I just talk about the characters and of course they all read my blog. So I didn't have to explain everything in detail. And I've got a few of my friends actually talking about going now, but I, I explain it as being a piece of magic in, in the world, a, a magical route, really. Um, it's very hard to describe it to people that haven't done it because people see it as a walk. And then when people go walking in the Pyrenees, they go walking in um, the, the three peaks in England, they see it as a walk and you're, it's very hard to try and explain that it's something more unless you're actually there, I think. Yeah, yeah. It is difficult to put into words. But you just mentioned that you're an energy healer. Were there some places on the Camino where you felt more energy than other places? Um, when I felt stillness, when there was stillness, um, you could absorb and become part of the universe. So the Mazetta, um, you could quite, I think you could easily, more easily feel the energy in the stillness um and also when you have extreme extreme weather so like the um the winds and the howling the gales if you just rather than fight against it i was trying to just become part of that again so walking we didn't we got fantastic weather i mean it was it was like springtime for most of it but um on the way to mushia the weather got really bad and um i become part of the universe and, and become part of the weather systems and just be and just stand there and breathe with the wind and the gales and the rain rather than, you know, in, in Britain, we just complain and we just stomp down the road of our umbrellas and we flame in rain, but just become part of it and you can feel it everywhere. You can. It's beautiful. Was it what you expected after you read all those books and did all that research? Was your experience akin to what you expected? Well, all the books, or nearly all the books there, I mean, I, I could be mistaken, but I think the vast majority of books are written from people that have done a summer or a spring or an autumn Camino. So they, their experiences are very different from like, very, the, the routes are very busy, the um, lots of places to eat and drink and dine and people in the streets and festivals. Well, you have, don't have any of that in the winter. Um, it's, it's really quiet. I mean, sometimes we went to ghost towns and, um, we didn't see a cafe all day and I didn't get my wine, but, uh, never mind. As part of, uh, the Camino, not getting the wine, not just getting the wine, it's actually not getting the wine. Um, uh, yeah, gosh, I'm so overwhelmed just talking to you and all the memories are coming back. So excuse me. Um, yeah. It's clearly had a big impact on you, hasn't it? Yes, because now I'm talking to you, I've just got so many things in my mind and I'm, I just would love to share with, you know, the whole world. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting quite hot and uh, excited just speaking about it, actually. And, 
I'm flashing back from the snow to the sun. I mean, some days I was in I was in my bikini top. I mean, it was February and I'm I'm burnt. I've had to get back to fifty sun cream. So I do have to tell the view the um, the listeners. Doesn't matter what time of year you go, you need sun cream. I was really burnt on some days, and uh, that surprised me. And then the rain surprised me. The snow surprised me. And yeah. It, everything just overwhelms you when you've never had experience like this before. Did you carry a guidebook, you and Phil? Yes, we carried the uh, John Briley's guidebook um, because that's the most publicised one. And, uh, you know, being a first-time pilgrim, you tend to go with the thing you see the most. Um, we, I did I did use the guidebook, but... Um, Yes, did did we really use it a lot? I tended to read. I tended to read it in the evening from the day from the day that just gone. Um, we used it for mile well kilometres really. Um, yes, and I didn't really. The fountains, half of them were empty when we went. So uh, yes, be careful of the water. I would say to people that don't assume because there's fountains on the route they're going to have actually have water in them. But the John Bradley book was really, really good. And uh, I think I'm going to buy the Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. The Confraternity of St. James has a very good Portuguese guidebook as well that you can get from their website. Oh, does it? Yeah, csj.co.uk. This Confraternity of St. James. Yes, a very, very good guidebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So did you and Phil carry your own packs? Um, I carried a 36 litre. We had a bit of difference of opinion on the size. Um, Phil had a 60 litre, although he wasn't necessarily filling it up. But in the winter, it's all very old saying you're going to have a small rucksack, but um, winter clothes take space. So 60 litre did seem excessive. It wasn't actually a heavy rucksack, but um, we took, he took a fleece and that was almost like a quarter of the rucksack. And um, his shoes... He's got big shoes, so his shoes took more sight, took more room up again. So I'd say in the summer, yes, you can have a lot smaller, but in the winter, you need that space. And also, because there was nothing open, you needed to go to a supermarket if you saw one, and you needed to have a little bit of room in the top of your rucksack to put your food in because um, you might not have any food for the rest of the day. So if you've only got a 30, 36 um, litre rucksack in the winter you've got no room for shopping um, a lot of the pilgrims that we saw later on had to carry a separate bag for their shopping so um, yeah we had our own rucksacks we didn't use um, um, the companies yeah. we were going to do it we are going to do it ourselves And uh, but I'm not judging anyone who doesn't use no. their rucksack because at the end of the day people have their different people I'm not in people have got different problems different issues I'm not one to say you should be carrying a rucksack because that's their Camino and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I should just explain that, that pilgrims yeah. can hire someone to carry their pack each day and they'll deliver it to the albergo that day for you. It's waiting for you when you arrive. It costs about five euros a day. But, yeah, I'm the same. I'm with you. Who knows why people have it delivered and who why they carry their own pack and why they don't. It doesn't bother me. Um, did you train much before you went? Well, I trained and I overtrained and uh, ended up with tendonitis which took three months to go, including the beginning of my Camino. Basically, what I did is I knew there'd be a lot of hills. And you think being in Japan, I'd have practice. But actually, in Nagoya, where I was working, it was as flat as a pancake. So I used an elevated um, treadmill. And I did half an hour every day 
of 15% elevated treadmill walking. Well, after a month, I ended up with tendonitis and uh, on the top of my foot, and it took, I don't know, three months to go away. Um, A lot of people on the Camino ended up with tendonitis because they didn't train uphill. I overtrained, but they didn't train. So I would definitely say to to listeners, um, you've got to do of uphill training just to stretch the tendons at the back of your ankles because if you don't um doing the, the bit from St John Pierre de Port doing the high mountains you will end up with tendonitis and it's so common it was it was really quite sad to see some people including my friend Katerina had to take buses everywhere yeah the the I had that as well, but it was more because I was bending over, bending, leaning forward and wasn't standing straight enough. So I walked then with poles. So did you walk with poles? Um, I walked with poles every single step of the way. Um, I would never have managed without them personally because um, the amount of weight they take off your knees, off your legs, off your back. Now, not only that, the poles, if used correctly, and I did have to show a lot of pilgrims how to use their poles – I couldn't believe they didn't have pole instruction before they went. Um, I've got a magnificent set of biceps now, <laughs> 950 kilometres, and using the poles correctly. Um, if you ever want to trim your bingo wings, um, you know, the bit underneath the arm, I don't know what you call them in Australia. It's the, when you wave, if you have, for England, we call them bingo wings. If you wave bingo and the bottom of your arm moves the other way, well, we call them bingo wings and uh, mine have been... Really well trained, uh, toned up now. So I'm very happy with my arms. That's because you can take, that's so funny, bingo wings. You can take uh, a lot of pressure, as you say, off your knees and you keep yourself upright. So you keep the pack on your back nice and straight too and keep it over your hips rather than leaning forward as I was doing because I was carrying a guitar. And it was it meant that uh, all the pressure, all the, all the weight and everything was in the front of my shins and after... Couple, oh gosh! Couple of weeks, it was just excruciating pain. The pain was insane, and it doesn't stop when you stop walking, because you get up, you, you're resting in the afternoon. You get up to walk to, to across the the cafe or something, and oh, you can almost fall over because the pain is so bad. Yeah, tendonitis. So, what type of shoes did you wear? Because you wouldn't um, may have been I walking say in the snow. Brand? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I'm I. Merrill, Merrill, um, Moab 2 boots, the high-rise boots. Um, I'm not a part of Merrill's company, but they are literally, they look like the day I put them on. Honestly, I didn't have a single hotspot, a single blister. Um, I Vaseline's my feet every morning. Then I put on uh, like ladies' tights, pop socks or something, and then a pair of um, merinos. Not one blister or ache or hotspot regarding the shoes. And uh, they seriously look like brand new. Fantastic. I've bought myself, today I've just bought myself some Merrill hiking shoes just because I'm stuck to one brand now, that's it. There you go. What's something that you packed that you could have left behind? Oh, well, actually, saying that, um, my my, my fleece jacket. Now, I doubled up on things. And really, it was a bit silly. I ended up at Logrono, sending them to Santiago. And uh, because I realised that you don't need two of everything, you just need one. So I had two pairs of thermal thermal, um, 
pants underneath. I only did one because you you wash them and then you wear them or you wear the day and you wear your evening things. You don't need spares or everything. You need to get rid of this idea that you need spares and, you know, recondition the mind. So, yeah, just the things that I had doubles of, really, socks, thermals and my jacket. Now, I say all the time you walk and you realise you don't need all these layers because... I started off in the morning. The morning's cold. After one hour, I took my jacket my jacket off. After two hours, I took my jumper off. Uh, and by lunchtime, I say uh, uh, late February, I was in my bra top. I couldn't actually take anything else off without being indecent. So you realise when you start taking things off, you've got to carry them. So you need room in your bag to carry the things that you were wearing on the day that you started. So what's something you wish you did pack and didn't? Do you know? Do you know what the most fantastic thing about the Camino? I'm sitting. In, I'm sitting in my bedroom now, and the bedroom is a huge bedroom, and it's full up full of things. And I'm looking round, and I'm cursing all these material things that I do have now. And I had six weeks of living from a 36 litre rucksack, and I actually didn't want for anything. I really didn't want for anything. I just had everything I, I needed. My husband had the first aid kit that um, I think I took a plaster from my leg once. I think, no, it's amazing when you're on a Camino, things are there if you need them. Um, you just don't need all the things around you. You really don't. It's it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a simple life, boy. If we could live like that all the time, the world would be a much better place. Talking about making the world a better place, we sometimes talk about Camino angels. Did you meet any Camino angels, Sue, and or were you someone's Camino angel? Well, I'm normally a very um, independent kind of person. I don't like to like think I necessarily would want an angel. But um, the day that I had an injury, basically coming down to if anyone's done it, coming down to Mol- Molina Seca, the really the first very very steep mountain from Fonsbun, um, I pulled a muscle in my calf. My my tendon didn't quite have tendonitis, but they were they were a little bit inflamed. My knee was giving me trouble, and I just knew that I couldn't go to the next stage. And I ended up nearly crying. And as we got stuck in Pomfra, and I just sat down on this bench with Phil, and I was like, "Oh, I'd lost all faith in finishing the Camino. I thought this is me now. This is the end." And strangely, a woman walking towards us. And she said, just to me in Spanish, she said, oh, the Camino's the other way. I said, no, I'm going to a hostel. And uh, for some strange reason, this woman wanted to talk to me, a small talk. And I I thought this was very strange because people are very helpful, but they don't normally just stand and engage in small talk when they can see that you're um, very uncomfortable. And after two or three minutes, I engaged in a small talk. She touched me and bid me, well... And at that point, the pain in my leg went. I had glow, a shimmering glow around my body. And I went from misery to elation. And I was so elated, I cried. I said, Phil, that woman, she's magic. She she must have sensed me. And she just worked her powers on me. And my faith in the Camino came back. And I almost cried with joy walking all the way back. So I knew I still had the injury. But the pain and the burning and the torment had gone. It was amazing, honestly. I could cry now thinking about it. What a wonderful story. Where were you? Was that in Melina Seca? 
Um, sorry, that was um, Pomferrada where we had to um, yeah. stop um, before before that. Mm. I'm trying to think of the different order then, but that's when yeah. I started having trouble. And then, um, honestly, she just t- the second she touched me, she was an angel. She was, and at that point, I was losing faith in the Camino and came along and restored it within seconds. Wow, what a and wonderful story. That, That's so beautiful. I mean, she was literally an angel. I mean, I, it was honestly, I, I, I've got my hairs are actually standing on there now, even just talking about it. I'm just looking at her face now. I've got my eyes closed and I'm just saying thank you to her because, um, well, she was literally an angel, more than just a helping angel. She was, she was magic. She was someone, someone else. She was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier that you were an energy healer. Um, so you clearly are have a fairly uh, buoyant spiritual belief. Would you call yourself a religious person? Um, now, religious, that's, that's an interesting point because I'm, I'm very spiritual. Um, I'm interested in religion and I love the Bible. Um, I like a lot of what it stands for, um, the stories. Jesus is... is um, um, is the man for me. He's, he's just amazing. Um, so I'm religious to a point, but I don't normally go to church, but I found myself going to church as well, which is something I don't, I don't do here, but I found myself drawn to the Catholic church and I'm not Catholic either. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was brought up a Protestant. Um, there's something about the Camino that just, I don't know, it just lures, lures people into churches. It's the, it's the energy. I mean, I watched the priest come in, in a Pamplona, um, the cathedral, a big church, and my hair stood on end as the priest came in. Every hair on my body just stood on end, and I was just mesmerised by the priest just coming in. And I'm not Catholic, so there's all these really magical things that kind of do little adjustments in your in your mind and your psychology. So, am I religious? I can't say I'm not religious. I'm probably am religious actually. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. You find you, you go on the Camino and you you come you definitely come out more religious than when you started. That's for a fact. Yeah, but the reason I ask you that is because when you talk about angels, I think a lot of people think that angels are a religious thing, whereas I don't see it like that at all. I think that we all have angels around us all the time, and if we open ourselves to them, and I'm stealing a bit from Bill Bennett's terrific movie, PGS, uh, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And Bill talks about angels being around you all the time. And if you listen to them, they will guide you and, and show you the way to go. And you should trust your intuition more. Now, when I contacted you, you were in Ponferrada and you were injured. And, and that's sort of our world's colliding now because you've just finished talking about it. When you began again and you realised that you were going to be walking and you were going to finish the Camino and Mushia and Finisterre were on the horizon, did you rely on the kindness of others in terms of carrying you on those difficult days? Now, you mentioned your, your angel that you met, your Camino angel, but what about the, the love and care and sharing of other pilgrims around you? Did you rely on them to sort of carry some of your you on your journey um i think 
without thinking, yes, because of their influence and their their strength. I mean, for example, my my German friend who's been given two years to live. The fact is, she got and she's also suffers from autism. Well, not suffers, but she has autism and she doesn't go on public transport by herself. And she so wanted to be with us, like keep to the same. When she got tendonitis, she wanted to keep to the same um, the same places as, as we went. She actually got on a bus, a public bus. And I thought the strength in her that she actually lost her fear and she said, I'm going to get on a bus because I'm going to be with, with Sue and Phil and the Koreans and I'm going to do it. And when you have people have that kind of strength, it, it gives you strength yeah. because you think, well, she can do that. I can do that because she's got a far harder life than me and it just makes my 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 um, my um dodgy knee really insignificant. And then I thought about when I – you know, I whinged and lost a bit of faith. I thought, why? I I shouldn't even be thinking like that. But still, my angel came along, even though it was insignificant to compared to my friends. Um, so their strength gave me strength unwittingly. Yeah. I think without trying to give you strength, they they just do because the strength the strength in their character just makes you humble, makes you feel humble. Um, one um, the sixty two year old Korean that actually he spent the whole six weeks with us and we couldn't speak any English. He couldn't speak. I mean, he could, he couldn't speak any English. We couldn't speak Korean. We shared apartments together and shared dormitories and food and drink and laugh together. And, um, he only recently started to learn Google translate and then suddenly he had this epiphany. He started using translate. And, uh, he then said, I'm going to get christened when I go back to Korea, you know? And I thought, wow, and again, that really inspired me. You've got a 62-year-old guy here who's just goes, I'm going to do the Camino. And then he's going to go and get christened when he gets home. And that then gives you strength again because you think, wow, what, what, you know, I've been with this guy six weeks, nearly all day, every day, you know. So it's a collective thing, the Camino. It's not, you don't, you don't think about each other's strengths all the time. You just, the, the energies merge and you just, become um become part of each other's lives is is yeah oh my hair's standing on in now <laughs> yeah. because the reason I asked you that Sue is because there will be people listening thinking oh I'd love to do it but I couldn't possibly do it on my own and I urge you if you are listening to hear what Sue was just talking about because I've interviewed now I don't know 115 people or something and many of those people have walked alone and it has been the other pilgrims who have helped them finish it have helped them walk each day and it's the stories and the friendships that they come back with uh, that sustain them into the future then because it's very it's lovely to be part of this global Camino family so I would very strongly encourage you to listen to what Sue said there and if you're having any doubts about whether you could walk alone, you'll be absolutely fine to walk alone. And so, so let's take a step further then. Would you, you walked with Phil. Did you walk together each day? Um, what we did, we did walk together, but um, we got different gates, you know, I, I would, and also because I was writing my blog, I stopped literally every five minutes and I'm looking at a plant and then I'm wowing at the plant I'm wowing at the shape of the sky the, the clouds I look at a tree I want to know what tree it is um I see a flower I've I've taken a photo of a flower so you, you 
I'm stopping and starting and I can't really expect Phil to stop and start, but, um, and his gait was different. So we'd, we'd walk together, but then he might be a lot further than me, like a couple of hundred meters. Then he'd wait for me. Then I'd catch up with him because at the end of the day we're, we're going together, but you can't walk at each other's pace because it's unnatural. Um, but we, we tried our best to walk together because we, we spoke about the, um, we're into the nat- we're into nature and environment, and uh, it's not until you go on the Camino do you actually stop and look at things properly, like um, just a, a weed, a, a weed, a plant, and you see the flower, how delicate the flower is, and then I want to know if it fits into the ecosystem. And you just look, and you when you're in a car and you drive around your town, you don't see these things. So um, yeah, we walk together, but then we'd walk separate, then walk together again. Yeah, and would you recommend walking as a couple? Um, oh, yes, I'd, I'd recommend walking as a couple. But, um, for example, the last day, I just, I said my knees were really sore and um, it's really hilly from in Galicia anyway. Um, he decided to walk um, the 30 kilometres to Mushia and I decided to get the bus. So, you know, and I met, then he came and I met him at five o'clock. So if you walk together... Um, you, you don't make a pact that says we're going to walk together. You're going to do the you know together, but you won't necessarily walk every step of the way together. Or actually, I would recommend it before you marry somebody. I would seriously recommend it because if you can walk the Camino with somebody, you can marry them. Because <laughs> the Camino, it really, I I tell you the, the honest truth. If I was ever going to get married when I was younger, I would take him on a Camino first, like the um, woman. Sent a man on the Camino, but she should have done the Camino with him, the angry Spanish man at the beginning of my blog. Yes, because you have to live all day with this with this person, and you have to share hostels, you have to wash clothes together. You all you've got between you are two rucksacks with your whole worldly goods, and you're going to use the six weeks. And it's you're both stepping outside your comfort zone, so you're going to see each other's stresses. You're going to see each other strange. You're going to get injuries. You're going to be whinging at your partner because they're the only person you're going to want to really whinge to. So if you can get through, you can marry the person, definitely. Terrific advice. That's fantastic. So you wrote a blog. You mentioned it just there. Did you find writing each day helped make sense of everything that you were going through? I've got a very bad memory. So if I don't write things down, I tend to. it all tends to become a big a big blur, like I wouldn't know from one day to the other where I've been or what I've done. Um, it took me longer to get from uh, stage stage to stage because I would stop every five minutes and write things down on my phone. Um, the blog helped me to... Um, I'll tell you the reason why I did the blog. I did the blog because I wanted to write creatively. Now, in my past, in my career now and my past qualifications, I've only ever written academically. So when I started reading the um, Camino books, I thought, you know what, I would love to write like that. And I always said to myself, oh, I can't write like that. And I thought, yes, I can. So um, the Camino was my first attempt at writing a creative blog, my first attempt. And um, looking back on it, um, my friends say they really look forward to the next day. And uh, I've got random people just contacted me and uh telling me how much they enjoyed the blog and that's a really nice uh feeling that someone's actually reading your thing each day and one guy said he was reading it before um he went to work in the morning and uh, another person said he did it before going to bed um 
But when I read it back, it, I've, I started reading it back before um, speaking to you. And I thought, oh, I've forgotten about that. And I, oh, I've forgotten about that. But I wrote the blog, um, 10 o'clock at night mainly, um, when the lights were out. And I was doing it on my phone. And uh, I had all my notes in front of me. And even just walking for eight hours, so many things, you see so many things that really, if you don't write them down, you get day and you're tired. And it kind of becomes a blur. So um, it made sense of the day because I look back on my notes. Otherwise, I don't think I'd remember them. It's a really good idea to write notes on your blog. Even if you don't write a blog, just write a list of notes. What's something you'll take with you, Sue, in your life as a result of being a pilgrim? Oh, I'd definitely to judge people less and definitely to try and tolerate people more and to get to know their story before... Uh, you know, looking at them or making the opinion. Um, yeah, but, but, um, I haven't become tolerant with the snoring, though. I, I must admit, I, <laughs> I, I had hoped that I'd become more tolerant with snorers. Um, that's one aspect I, I think I've got to work on and do, perhaps do another Camino to um, improve. Um, anyone's famous Camino, you know people get famous, don't they? Camino famous. Do you know the man who, who is? Do you know the man who does? Well, I think I'm the woman who's to... Um, try and stop the snorers. I'm not snor- I was a snoring vigilante. Um, people snored. Um, I, I was known to get, to get up and actually poke them. Um, I've got this little thing where I get my scarf and I, I spin the scarf around and tickle their nose until they turn over. Um, that, that worked. Um, I even poked someone. I yeah, poked someone. I've, I flapped my, t- I flapped my towel on their head cause I, I, I really, I'm a really light sleeper and I, I felt bad, but then I was only thinking I was only doing what other people wish they would do. They wish they could do, but didn't have the, um, didn't have the guts. That's so, uh, fun. that so is I've got so to work funny. on tolerance. That is so, so funny. <laughs> so I've got to work on that. So I, I'm self-confessed. <laughs> I haven't improved. I haven't improved in that point, but I can take with me the fact that I am more tolerant now and, um, you know, like I say, less judgmental. But no, I've still got to work on the snoring for certain. That's so funny. Do you feel like you've changed? Um, I don't feel like I've changed. I think so. I didn't. I didn't go onto the Camino really to um, to perhaps find answers. I didn't go on the Camino because I had issues or troubles. Um, I say so I think a lot of people go onto the Camino because their their heads in a mess or. Um, so I wouldn't say changed as such. Um, I was quite happy with the way I was. Like I said, I, there's always room for improvement, but in general, my mind was happy. Um, and I, I wanted to do it for this physical challenge and more of a spiritual challenge. So I don't think everyone changes. I think they, 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 they go an overall self-improvement, um, and their eyes are opened a little bit. So I suppose my eyes are open more now. I'm more aware. So, but I wouldn't necessarily call that a change. Yeah, yeah. Everything's positive. Yeah, but, that's... Um, change is, um, you know, it's quite a strong word, and I, I don't think it's, that's the word I would use. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, overall, overall improvement, yes. <laughs> yeah, but did I, I mentioned that Simon and Garfunkel lyric at the start. Did the Camino encourage you to listen more? and to disregard less? Ah, I mean, yes. I mean, in that respect, listening people before before judging them is really important because, like I said at the beginning, the angry man I straight away feared. And if I'd just taken more time with him, um, 
I learned his story. I thought he was a lovely guy because he really was a lovely guy. So um, it's like that. I've listened more to people, but listen outside and become more still. So, and don't get so stressed over little things because everything's going to be all right. The fact that you step by step, what you learn in the Camino is step by step, you'll get there. So yeah. you've, got to, you've got to take that of the Camino and put it into life. So we're renovating a house in Portugal. It's been three years so far, and we're like, oh, I want to get this done, I want to get this done. Step by step, it'll get done. You know, it's, it's not going to get done straight away, but it doesn't mean it's not going to get done. So in some respects, I've got more faith in, in myself, more faith in the universe, and just never give up. That's what the Camino teaches you, that you will get there in the end. I had, an, I had my knee injury, and my angel came along. I've, once upon a time, if you would have said to me, do you, want, would you, do you want to walk 950 kilometers, mainly in the winter? Um, I would have said, you know what, you're just having a, having a joke, aren't you? So, um, yeah, step by step, you will get, you will get there, definitely. And, you know, I, think, I think the best part of the Camino is the people you meet. They're wonderful. And you mentioned before, every day it's someone new. Someone will want to walk and talk. Or maybe you just want some of that quiet time that you talked about as well. As well. You can find space and time. And that's the great thing about the Camino. Thank you for your time, Sue. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I, I could have talked all day. Safe travels and the rest of your journey, not just uh, back to Portugal, but in life as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I've just downloaded the rest of your podcast that I can listen to on the way on the drive to Portugal. So keep up the good work. You'll always have me as a listener. Thank you, Sue. Buen Camino. Buen Camino to you too, because I'm sure you've got another one planned. Okay then, bye-bye. My guest this week, Sue Parsons, talking to me from Kent in the United Kingdom after finishing her first Camino, the opening line from the Simon and Garfunkel song, The Boxer. I'm just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I've squandered my resistance, for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and jest. Still a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. So often we ignore what life is telling us. Perhaps we ought to listen more and disregard less. So true as we go step by step through our journey on the Camino and in life. If you're interested in sponsoring me and helping me continue to bring you the podcast each week, go to patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. I have the best job in the world. Thanks for your company as always. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere